You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. This is a different episode for me. I just want to set the scene for you guys a little bit. So typically when I record podcasts, I, you know, I have my process and I I prep several days in advance, put, you know, notes together, kind of have my map in front of me of where we're headed. Always be praying about all of the content, everything that's going to be said. I'm always wanting to be really careful that I'm not interjecting what I think might be a, a good idea for an episode or a my own opinion, but always seeking the Lord about what is your message? What what would you use to encourage women to be devoted to the Word and to be devoted to you, Lord? That's really always my prayer. Today is different because I want to tell you guys I'm, I'm sitting here recording this podcast with not a single note in front of me. And as I felt the Lord's prompting to do this, it was kind of funny because I was actually prepping for a different episode. And I just kind of stopped in the middle and I sat there and I wondered, Lord, would you have me record these things that you're putting on my heart right now, unscripted, and just seeing how this goes. So this might sound a little different than what my typical episode sounds like. So I wanted to kind of give you that background just going into this. This this is nothing that is scripted, really. This is something I have just been praying about and wondering how this would work. The day to record this is an interesting one, I have to tell you, because I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my process through grief, as it's been for the last four years. And I have to tell you, I've already talked to the Lord about, are you sure today is the day for me to record this? And because today is the day that four years ago, my dad passed away. And while it seems like, wow, that would be a really terrible time. Are you going to be able to hold it together, Aim? Well, I don't know. We'll see about that. But I know that a lot of people deal with grief. And I know that a lot of people, Christian people, don't know necessarily how to do it. And I feel like sometimes we think there's a right and a wrong way of doing it. And I think that's true. I think there is probably some wrong ways to deal with grief. I think there's probably some right ways to deal with grief that just feel wrong. Because let's be honest, it's just not fun. I've heard people say sometimes that, you know, Americans don't do a good job of grieving. And I think to some degree that is true. You know, they there are cultures where mourning and grieving, it takes like a center stage, you know, not for a long period of time, but certainly longer than we do it. And I and I think in a more climactic way than we than we do it. I've read about Middle Eastern cultures and, and the different types of mourning where it's, you know, it's blocked out. It's like a month of heavy grieving, like really leaning into that grief. Whereas I think we as Americans are often conditioned with the response of just keep going, suck it up, got to keep moving, got to keep moving. And it gets a little tricky even for us as Christians, because particularly if we've lost someone that is a believer, it's a tricky thing to balance because part of us, even if we're not there yet emotionally, we know mentally that, oh, they are in a better place. 
this is what we desired for them. Heaven, the glory of being with Jesus, this is exactly what we as believers aspire to. Death is not to be feared. It's the goal, if you're a believer, to get to be with Jesus. And so we know that mentally. But emotionally, without a doubt, that's going to be hard to get traction on, for sure, especially if how death comes is sudden or premature. I don't want to say that it's ever easy mourning a loss of someone, whether it was something you expected, you know, like an extended illness, or if it's something sudden. I think both seem to have their their different things that are just difficult to wander through and both have their challenges. For my experience, it was a very sudden loss. My dad was only 64 and he had a massive heart attack. And at the time, we, were, we had been planning like a family vacation that we were all going to be there together the, the following week. And so when I got that call in the middle of the night, we didn't see that one coming. We did not see that one coming. And I don't want to throw this story out there because I want it to be an emotional ploy or emotional tug on your heart necessarily. I don't like things that are emotionally manipulative or trying to get that sort of response just by nature. I don't love that things like that. However, you can't deny that there's just things in life that are just hard sometimes, right? There is just stuff that this isn't our home, right? We're looking forward to heaven. And so some of the things that we're going to experience on this side are just going to be hard. So it's okay to go ahead and tell those stories sometimes that are just the harder things. But my goal and intention with sharing this today is to, I want the people that are in places of grief to hear a couple things of encouragement. I want to he- want you guys to hear the voice of somebody who's come through. And I will say through, not over. I might explain that in a little bit, but it's hopefully to give you some hope in what this process looks like. I've talked to some people who have experienced grief over and over and over, whether it's the miscarriage of a child, or if it's the loss of a young child, or maybe it's a parent, or maybe it's your both parents. I mean, we'd be naive to say that there's just not pain and loss and difficulty in this life. There just is. But I wonder if the reason the Lord put this so heavy on my heart is to share a little bit of the, honestly, as ironic as this is going to sound, the joy that I have experienced in these last four years as I have gone through the grief of losing my dad. Again, I don't want to point out all the, like, the tiny details, just, you know, slight bit of context, super close to my dad. (laughs) I was a daddy's girl in every stretch of the imagination, to be sure, and looked up to him for so many things. But the most pivotal one was the spiritual role model, legacy, all of those fancy words that people will say I would most definitely attribute to my dad. But in saying that, I have to say that those are the pieces where I have got to experience some joy in the last four years in this process. And when I first emerged from that day four years ago, did I ever think 
I would be able to sit here in front of a microphone and tell someone about the joy of this process? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Guys, I was wrecked by this. It wasn't a faith-shaking thing for me because, and again, I credit that to the Lord and the firm foundation and model that my dad had laid for me as to that our God in heaven is sovereign. He does not make mistakes. He is absolutely 100% in control of all of it. And I had that assurance even that day, even the day after, walking through that process with my sweet mom, who sure did not expect to be a widow at that young age. And, you know, the seasons that would follow and all of those things. No, it, it didn't appear, come to me at that moment of some of the things I'm going to share with you today. But it certainly, I still had that assurance that God knew what he was doing. And so in some ways, I do think I am probably a little bit different in some folks who experience grief and go through a stretch of anger with the Lord. Lord, why? Why did you do this? And again, I'll say it again. I think it's only because of that firm, just deep installation of the sovereignty of God that my dad really planted deeply in my heart. And and by that, what do I mean by that? I, I mean, like when I was a kid, I mean, I can remember being at grade school, junior high, struggling with normal kid stuff. And my dad always took it to that spiritual place. You know, he always took every opportunity to tell me, Amy, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. I cannot tell you if you're a parent, I hope that that phrase just rolls off your tongue. Because I think it is so important for our kids to hear that God is sovereign. It does so many things. The sovereignty of God not only like instills in us, I think, this sense of the control that God places, that God has over our lives, which I think is so grounding and so helpful as we navigate life that seems completely out of control. But there's an element, too, of the sovereignty of God that, in my mind, sets up the holiness of God, too. That that ability to be set apart. He is set apart. That all of the, the crazy stuff of this life, he's just apart from that. He is holy. And as such, if he deems to allow things in our life that seem remarkably hard, don't question him now. Stick with him. Stick with him. He knows, he knows, he knows what he's doing. Even when our small minds just can't get our heads around it. Lord, why would you take somebody so good? Why would you take something that so many people were benefited by? I don't know. But guys, we're not depending on my small mind. We're not depending on on the our, our individual thoughts and the things that we think we know. Because again, we aren't God. We are not sovereign. Thank goodness. He is sovereign. He is in control. And he, he orchestrates all these things, even the hard ones. So I didn't go through my little season of grief thinking that being angry at God. I truly did not, did not experience that part. But I did experience just, man, tremendous loss when I, shortly after my dad passed away. My dad had a big library, and I loved his library. Oh, my goodness. I loved his library because his library was him, 
But I also loved, I just myself, I'm a reader. I just love it. And so some of his books were things that he had just collected. And some of his books were things that he had read and loved. I always loved the books that he read multiple times. He had a funny habit. I don't know why he did this, but, you know, most books he owned, if he read them, he'd always write on the inside, write his name, which I just think having books, it's always good to do that because then you can remember where in the world, you know, if you have somebody else's book in your library, you can look, oh, this isn't mine. You know, it just identifies that, hey, this is my book. But when he would read a book more than once, he would write his name on the outside of the book. And I, to this day, I'm not real sure why he did that, but I like it because it almost looks like that book isn't just, it's a textbook, you know, and you will go through it and you can see the multiple times he made notes and different things had changed. A lot of times they were just books on history, you know, he was just a studier of, of history. A lot of times there are books on, on theology or doctrine issues or different things like that. And, and I've always enjoyed going back and reading the things that marked him, you know, After he died, I was able to keep most of his books, which they lived in Texas. I live in Oregon. So it was a rather long and tedious process of actually getting all of that library, sifting through the old books and giving some away and then getting the rest back here to Oregon in boxes and boxes and boxes. And But I was packing up that library and, and, you know, one of the books he had in there, he had a a lot of C.S. Lewis. And I personally had a lot of C.S. Lewis. Love C.S. Lewis. I enjoy reading his things, but I picked up his book, Grief Observed, and I had never read it before. And I thought, you know, this is a good time to read Grief Observed. And his process was a little interesting. And I want to read to you what I wrote, because I I read the book, and I read it a couple months after my dad had died. And then in the front of the book, I, I wrote my observations of the book, which if you ever, that's kind of a fun practice to get into, by the way, because once you finish a book, it's always, you know, it's fresh in your mind what, what's out there. And I wrote this in the front, and it says, I picked this up off my dad's library shelf as I sorted and packed away his treasured library. This book in many ways mirrors the process of grief as I, work its, uh, as I walk its ugly halls. Lewis is angry in the beginning, and his faith even seems fractured. But as he continues, you see the path circle back to our God who is love. And then I said, I'm not sure where I am in this valley. Keep in mind, this was about four months after my dad had died. I have not found found myself angry, as many have during grief. But I very much identify myself as the amputee. I can walk, but pain and the limp is undeniable. And that part comes from a quote later in the book where he describes grief like this. And I this is kind of a long quote, but I, I love the way he puts it, and I think it, it aptly speaks to what it feels like a bit. And he says, getting over it too soon? But the words are ambiguous. To say the patient is getting over it after an operation for appendicitis is one thing. After he's had a leg cut off, it's quite another. After that operation, either the wounded stump heals or the man dies. If it heals, the fierce, continuous pain will stop. Presently, he'll get back his strength and he'll be able to stump about on his wooden leg. He has, quote, got over it. But he will probably have recurrent pains in the stump all his life, and perhaps pretty bad ones, and he will always be a one-legged man. There will be hardly any moment when he forgets it. 
bathing, dressing, sitting down, getting up again, even lying in bed, will all be different. His whole way of life will be changed. All sorts of pleasures and activities that he once took for granted will have to be simply written off. Duties, too. And then Lewis says, At present, I am learning to get on about in- on crutches. Perhaps I will presently be given a wooden leg, but I shall never be a biped again. I'll never have two legs. That's what he's meaning there. And he wrote this after he lost his wife. And like I said, I would not mirror my experience with grief like his. He definitely went through a period of extreme anger and really, it really shook his faith in a way that I I did not experience. But I do echo what he is saying about getting around on crutches a little bit. Because at the time when you are first going through that, that is how it feels. It is not a something that people say you you get over it. And again, I'll refer back to the American way of, you know, suck it up and move on, you know. You don't really get over it, but you do get through it. And the crutches that he refers to there, he's that's how he's he's kind of giving that picture of he's getting about but on on crutches, but he still feels it. And as I thought about that picture of those crutches, I thought, Amy, what have been the crutches that you've had the last four years? What what do those crutches look like? Because I, I do think it's a apt picture because you are changed when you go through a loss like that. It's just different. It can't be the same as it was before. Right. And I'm not saying that's for the better or for the worse. It's just it just is. It is different. And to tell ourselves that it's all just going to go back to be the same, you know, you're fooling yourself. I think this even goes, speaks to even relationships, that if if there is a relationship that has changed or been severed, broken in some way, it's tempting sometimes to say we can just pretend like that incident, whatever it might have been, maybe it didn't, that it didn't happen and it's all going to go back to being normal. I think families experience this when they see divorce. There's something broken and changed that just it it cannot go back to the way it was. And there's a grieving that's involved in the loss of that. And I I wish we could do a better job at seeing that there is just that the grief is is okay. You really don't have to be afraid of it. And as I thought about what my crutches were, to go back to that picture of what were my crutches. For me, and I'm so blessed by this, but truly the crutches that I've had for the last four years has been the Word of God. I often talk about on this podcast how important it is to be in the Word. And if you, if you can't read it, listen to it. If you can't study it and break it down and, and really dive in for an hour or 30 minutes, read a verse. Put a scripture by your sink. Memorize a verse. Put something in your shower. And we have laminated sheets of verses in our shower, in all, every shower in our household, just about. That, and uh, to, to be memorizing scripture. But it, that has truly been, and I'm not trying to make it sound like a, a crutch in a bad way. I, tr- I don't think that. I actually think it's been the thing that's making me stand. It's been the thing that's been making me continue to to plow forward, even on the days that were really hard. Even on a day like today where, you know, anniversary days can be tough. I would be kidding you guys if I tried to tell you that Father's Day this last year was easy. Nope. Father's Day this year was brutal. 
And Father's Day is probably always going to be hard for me. I've learned if you are someone that has lost a dad on Father's Day, would you just avoid Facebook? It's a tough one. It's a tough one because lots of lots of sweet people have lost dads. And it, it, can, it can be hard to, to see those memories play out. But I'm thankful for my crutch, I guess. And I know, I, I think, I, even as I say that word out loud, I think, man, boy, that has a negative connotation that makes it sound like you're using something that shouldn't be used. But shouldn't scripture prop us up whenever we, whenever we can and in every situation? I really see that I, I've just experienced that. I've experienced that throughout a lot of my life and a lot of different hardships and different times I've gone through things where I've where the word of God has just been the thing that has propped me up. But I really experienced it in such a tangible way these last four years. And now I want to get to a little bit trying to express to you, and I hope this will be communicated effectively, because I know on its face it can just sound so contradictory. How can you say that there has been joy in the grief? Because I think sometimes we can confuse joy with happiness, right? The feeling, the emotion of being happy, that we can think that that's joy. But I don't, I don't think that's really what joy is. I, I'll refer back to C.S. Lewis, and I'm not going to get the quote right because I've truly, I read this book so many years ago. But his picture, C.S. Lewis depicts joy as little glimpses of heaven. They're like little little snapshots that we get on this earth where we kind of get this clear-eyed look at what heaven will be like. That's how he describes joy. And those are the things that I think I've got to learn in a new way these last four years. And the reason I think I, I look at them and I smile and I, and I see that sense of joy is because I know that I wouldn't have learned some of these things. I wouldn't have been able to lean quite as heavy into Scripture. I wouldn't have been able to lean quite as hard, maybe, into the sovereignty of God. I wouldn't have been able even possibly to really think back and glean about the the spiritual disciplines that my dad had taught me throughout my life or the, the things that he had really impacted me for the kingdom. I don't think I would have even looked back on those in the in the same way if he were still here. The Lord has given me so many gifts in these last four years of walking through a road of grief. Man, nobody signs up for that. Nobody's like, wow, that sounds like a great way to grow. We would probably choose to do our growing in a lot of other ways. But that wasn't what the Lord had for me. And when I first... I have to tell you some of the gifts, I think, that the Lord gave me along the way that maybe on their face don't seem as gifts, but I am convinced in my heart how he used them. And one of them was when it had been about 18 months, maybe, after my dad had passed away. And I remember Judy Slaughter giving me a call. And she, if you're an Athey Creeker, you know Judy has worked with us as women at Athey for years and years. And she was putting together kind of this summer series of calling calling it reflections and having people share their stories of 
whatever it is that the Lord might have done in their life, you know? And she, as she always is so faithful to do, Judy just, she prays and she seeks the Lord about what it is, who it is that the Lord would have share. And she tells the story to me later after the fact of, you know, she prayed about, Lord, who who would you have share in these reflections that they were going to do? And they these were going to be on a Saturday morning in the summer months. And I think this would have been, I guess it would have been 2018. And and the Lord just placed me on her heart. And she's funny because she thinks back on it and she says I, she, that she instantly just was like, oh, no, Lord. <laughs> no, no, no. It's too soon. Amy, Amy's not ready to do that. And she said she kind of just put it away from there. But she kept praying. She kept praying. Lord, who who would you have come and speak at these re- at these reflections? And again, she said the Lord just brought my name to her mind right away. And she thought, okay, I need I need to ask. I need to be obedient to what the Lord is asking. And so Judy called me and she said, uh, told me what they were doing. And she said, Amy, I I would I wonder if you would share about your dad at this first reflections. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where somebody asks you something and while a part of you just sinks because you're like, oh, no, that's too hard. The other part of me, I knew in my heart that this was the Lord urging me, moving me on in this direction, kind of encouraging me in my path of grief, if that makes any sense. And so I told her I would pray about it. And I did pray about it, but can I also tell you that I really felt very early on just a sense from the Lord that, yes, Amy, you're supposed to do this. And I I wish you all could have seen the look on my children's face and even my dear husband's face when I told them that, first of all, that their introvert mother was being asked to speak in front of a bunch of people at church. That was their first, like, that was the eyes wide open moment of going, whoa, mom you don't do things like that. Because this is, if you're just joining me now and you've been listening to me on the podcast for a while, you'd think, oh, Amy, this isn't hard for you at all. No, trust me, folks, this is not something that I ever in one million years (laughs) thought that I would be doing. But I think that's all part of this story of the last four years, to be honest. That's another story. But the second part where my kids, we went from eyes wide open to literally their mouth dropping was when I said, And Mrs. Slaughter wants me to speak about granddad. And their mouth just dropped because they were like, "Um, Mom, you haven't been able to even say granddad's name for the last year without crying. How in the world are you going to get up and speak in front of a couple hundred women about granddad? And to be honest, I did not have answers for their questions because I sure didn't know. But I had this assurance deep within that the Lord had brought me to this and that the Lord was going to be faithful. He was going to do everything that needed to be said on that stage. All he wanted me to do was show up. I was going to show up and he was going to do it all. And I was convinced that that's what was going to happen before it happened. I knew that the Lord was going to be faithful in this. But here is interestingly where the gift of that process and and some of the healing I think that I, I experienced during that happened. It certainly happened the day of when I spoke. But it, even more than that, the Lord knew that I needed to grieve a bit. 
when you're preparing for something like that, it makes you have to kind of go back in your mind a little bit. And I'm not a person that would tell you to cling to the things that are behind because that's not what scripture tells us to do. We need to move forward. We need to be pressing on. Absolutely. But there was a part of, there was a little bit of the healing that I think the Lord wanted me to do because what I think he wanted in those moments of preparing for that, uh, for me to speak, was he wanted me to at last bring all of that hurt, bring that loss, and just let him have it. And for me, it was a, I had to mentally process that. I process things a lot of times by either talking it out or often, often by writing it out. And so I did. And oh, they were gut-wrenching. They were gut-wrenching times of prep, of typing out where I had been. Most of those things that I typed out about the experience of when dad had passed away and the days after it, those types of things, those are things that were never brought to the stage at all. They weren't things that really were for me to share with everyone. But they were there for me to have time with the Lord to do exactly what I think he wanted me to do, to lay it down to really surrender all of those things to him. And he was just so faithful to meet me in that. So that then when I came onto the stage that day, this was June 9th, 2018. And the reason I remember this day so well, because this was another gift from the Lord, is that was the day of my spiritual birthday. And some of you might be going, what's your spiritual birthday? Why do you mark it? All of that. I get that. A lot of families don't mark this. But my dad was not a very celebratory person. I mean, truly, if our actual physical birthdays came and went, it wasn't that he he was kind and he would say happy birthday, but it wasn't like they were the biggest deal in the world. He was just not a big celebrations guy. However, our spiritual birthdays, our day that we said the prayer and gave our life to the Lord, and actually accepted the work of the cross and decided to follow Jesus, oh, that was a day he marked. And it was in every journal he had. It was in devotionals that he had. He would write on the side. If it was that day of that devotional, he would write Amy's spiritual birthday, or he'd write my brother's name, or spiritual birthdays mattered. He celebrated them for my kids. I mean, months ahead of time, he would say, hey, I, you know, I'm sending you some devotionals from Amazon. Could you give them to the boys for me for their spiritual birthdays? Can you wrap them up for me? He always marked our spiritual birthdays. And the irony, but again, it's not. It was absolutely just planned this way by the Lord, is when the dates came out for these reflections that we were going to speak. There were several of them. They were going to do one per month. And the way that the Saturdays fell happened to be a Saturday, right? The day that I'm going to talk was my spiritual birthday. And I remember when I realized that and I thought, I, I kind of just smiled to myself a little bit going, of course it is. Of course it's my spiritual birthday. Because traditionally, ever since dad had left, that had been a little bit of a hard day, to be honest. Because then you start, you start passing those days and there isn't a card from dad. There isn't a text from dad. And they can be hard days. But I had to smile when I saw how the calendar worked out and, and I, we figured out that that was the day that I was going to give this presentation, give this reflection, this testimony of my dad and kind of the road that I'd walked. And it's all of us June 9th. And I thought, wow. And what's interesting is that I thought as I was preparing, I thought, you know, I'm going to be sh- I'm going to share that on the stage because it was just another little thing in the timing of the Lord in all of this. But 
I don't know if you if you have ever spoken. Sometimes the things that you think you're going to say on that stage, you don't. And I didn't. And I walked off and realized, oh, I didn't even mention it. But I think part of that, too, was because that was a gift for me. That was just the Lord giving me this little, today's the day of another spiritual birthday for you. And since that day, since that day, June 9th, 2018, that day really has marked a healing and a start, I think, of seeing the joy in the grief. Because that day I was able to just delight in the fact of all that had been given me, of being able to walk with my dad and learn from my dad for all the time, but being truly grateful for what I had and rejoicing for where he is too. Things that when you are initially in the throes of grief and when when you first lose someone and, and well-meaning, wonderful believers will say they're in a better place, they're in heaven if they're a believer, and they'll try to encourage you to think on those things. And I do think it's good to be encouraged to think on those things. But you also know that in those early days, that's not always what your mind is ready to hear. Because you you physically, the part of us that just dwells here on earth is still just kind of grappling with the loss of it. But I've got to now, after four years, I can honestly sit in this chair in front of this microphone and tell you that there is actual joy. Now, not the happy, not the like, oh, I feel so, you know, this is just so exciting. But I have joy about the road of grief, and I have joy about what I've experienced in these last four years. As hard as parts of them have been, oh, guys, I'm so grateful because I've been able to see and experience things about our Lord that I don't think I could have ever seen in any other way. And some of you might be hearing this, and maybe maybe you've just lost somebody recently, and maybe some of this is seeming just completely unattainable. Like, how could you ever look at losing someone so precious and see the joy in it? And you know what? If you are not there yet, don't. That's okay. That is okay. If you're someone that's like, I don't know how to encourage somebody who has recently lost somebody. I would say that I was in that camp. Typically, if if someone was going through grief, man, sometimes I didn't even want to like text them or I didn't want to comment on Facebook because I just felt like my words were so insufficient. But can I tell you guys experientially, man, if the Lord puts something on your heart and maybe you just think of that person throughout the day that you know is going through a hard time, shoot them that text. Just do it. It doesn't have to be profound. It can just say, hey, I'm praying for you today. I cannot tell you how much I treasured those comments and texts and cards that people randomly sent, sometimes cards that, that people sent six months after it happened. Sometimes it was just a little thing on, on Facebook, or it might have been a text message, all of which I saved. I saved because I read them over and over and over again. So if you're somebody that thinks that, man, I just don't have words that would be sufficient to what this is like, and I don't understand this pain, so I shouldn't say anything. 
if the Lord puts it on your heart to encourage somebody, just be obedient to that because I really do feel that the Lord will use it and bless it. I certainly experienced that from so many people. I, to this day, remember verses that people texted me at like 2 (laughs) a.m. Yes, turn your phones off so they're not dinging in the middle of the night when you should be sleeping. But I, I have kept those and, you know, the verse in Lamentations that talks about how we are not consumed. That phrase went over and over in my mind that first week, that first six months, that first year. We are not consumed. You know that the Word of God is true. And so when it tells us that we're not consumed by the thing that is in front of us, by the hardship, by the grief, by the illness, whatever it is that we're going through in life, we're not consumed. How is it that the Lord can say that? And he tells us later, he says, we are not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. Let me just read to you even that passage in Lamentations because I, it was just so pivotal for me. And I, I think it's so encouraging to this. If you look in, in Lamentations 3, starting in verse 21, it says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And then he says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Because of the Lord's great love, his mercies, we are not consumed. And all of this, and it backs it up, but the beginning of that was saying, remind yourself of this. Call this to mind because this is what gives you hope. And those are the things that stuck out to me in this verse that I'm, you know, somebody texts me at like two in the morning. Because of the Lord's great love, because of his mercies, we are not consumed. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is faithful. I think sometimes the road of grief is such a daily moment by moment one where you just at times it just takes your breath away. But I remember in that first year, my mom telling me that you know, because she struggled. She had just, she had lost her husband of 40 years. I mean, it was, it was just so hard. She lost everything, really. She, they, she had to sell her house. She had to, she had to start working full time. I mean, truly her life was turned upside down. And I remember her calling me one time as she was struggling and grappling with like, why, why did this happen? And she said something that how about she realized that every morning that she gets up and she's breathing and she has air in her lungs, well, it's a day that the Lord has given her to be used. He has work for her to still do. If he did not have work for my mom to still do, well, he would have taken her that day too. But he does. And so I think, and that has been my encouragement often because when it does feel hard, when it does feel like this is, oh, way too much. Lord, I'm being consumed by this grief. Did you wake up today? Because if you woke up today and you're breathing, he has something for you to do today. So in these moments of trying to find your way forward, sometimes, I am reminded of that, that he has work for me to do. It's lit a fire under me, to be honest, in the last four years, because I see all the things and all the hurt in our world, a lot of people angry, 
a lot of grief for all kinds of different reasons. We have a broken and sinful world. And as long as we're in it, it's going to keep being sinful, right? But we do have this hope of heaven. And I wish that when you hear that phrase, the hope of heaven, that you wouldn't sit there and say, oh, yeah, I've heard that a million times. Don't do that. Really listen to what that means, because that is what joy is. Joy is that hope of heaven, that someday we will get to be with the Lord, glorifying him, seeing him in all of his glory, which we only get tiny, tiny pieces of that here. And maybe those tiny, tiny pieces that we've seen here, maybe we saw those in the lives of the people that we've lost. And we mourn the fact that we don't see that anymore. But you remember it, and we get to enjoy whatever legacy, whatever things that we've learned from their life. We get to hang on to that stuff, on the things that are good. You know how people always say that when somebody passes away that you don't, you don't think about the, all the bad stuff. You only think about the good stuff. And I think that's partially true and not necessarily a bad thing. Because I I love, particularly if it was somebody that you learned a lot of life lessons from, that's great news to be able to hang on to that stuff. And again, I'm just going to keep reminding you of the joy in remembering those things. For me, the joy comes in often remembering how serious and how diligent my dad was in Bible study. Guys, I've always been a studier of the word, and I've always taken that seriously in my life for sure. But can I tell you, in the last four years, oh, it's taken on a whole nother level. And not because I'm I'm scrambling to, to be busy and have the appearance of, of studying or the appearance of righteousness or anything like that. No, 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 no. I want it because I see through what I've been through the last four years of that's the stuff that matters. That's what I really want to hang on to. So when I look at my dad's life and I see the things of hardcore Bible study and hardcore praying and praying scripture and so many things that he taught me to do, every time I see joy in that. And I am excited about that. And I'm excited about how I get to take that and then I get to teach my kids. And I hopefully the Lord allows me to encourage you to do those same things because that's that's the joy. The joy in studying his word and seeing the things that we have to look forward to, particularly in these last few months as 2020 has been the most unbelievable year, right? I really hope I don't listen back to this episode in 2021 or 2022 and go, oh, that was nothing. <laughs> that, and that very well could be. But 2020 for us has been something, right? We've all just been definitely marked by this year. But where's, where's the joy in what we've seen in these last four months? Has it caused you to press into what the Lord would have for you? Has it, has it caused you to trust him in a way that maybe you hadn't before? See, that's the things that I think that grief does. Whether you are grieving or mourning losing someone or whether it's an illness or a hard time, all of those things, they, they cause us if we're posturing ourselves correctly, they they help us to lean into Jesus more, seek his word more, and the things that are solid and steadfast and true. That's the joy. 
I wish you guys could see the smile on my face on this. And guys, I'm smiling on an anniversary day of losing my precious dad, who has marked me that I'm still going to have that little bit of that limp. I get that. And I'm still going to have those crutches sometimes. But I'm starting to really love those crutches. Because as long as your crutches are not your own strength and not just, you know, some self-help book or some something that's falsely propping you up, but if you're leaning against the word itself, if you're finding that, that one verse that maybe somebody sent you at 2 a.m. in the depths of your despair that said, we are not consumed, do that. Push into it even more. Let it just, just meditate on that. Knowing that that is where our joy is during these seasons that are hard. And don't be afraid to let them be hard. The other thing that I I learned throughout things is there's times when you do just have to keep it together. You know, I I have young kids, all right, and my kids were younger when that whole thing happened. And there's times when you sit here and you feel like, boy, are these kids going to think mom is just going to go around the house crying for days and days and days? You have to pray through that and the posture that the Lord would have you take. But do I also think that it was important for my kids to see that, you know what, things can make you sad. I think that's important. I think it's been important to show my kids the other side of that, too. And for my boys to be able to see that as hard and difficult as things are, and the especially when when kids experience grief through a parent or something, it can be it can be hard for them to understand because in their sweet minds and in their sweet lives, it's just like, oh, life's always going to be great. We're not going to have hardship. We're not going to go through these things. But you, your heart breaks a little as a parent because you just go, oh, sweetie, nope. There's going to be hard stuff in life. How come? It's because we're a fallen, broken world and that this is not our home. So giving them the, that hope of heaven. And again, I know I said that phrase, hoping, hoping, right? That you will hear that and hear that it truly is something to be hopeful for. I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for the day that all of us who have lost someone, I'm so excited for the day that we all get to be together. I think that's a glorious thing. But I also keep in perspective that as glorious as that it will be to sit somewhere in heaven under a tree with my dad, we get to be with Jesus. And the wonderful thing that our Savior does for us is that he's here with us now in the hard stuff. And I've been thankful more times than I can count that he's been with me here in the hard stuff. So I hope this is an encouragement to you guys. Boy, if you're someone that is going through grief right now, don't be afraid. It's okay to cry. It's okay to not be okay. It's all right. It's okay to not get over it, quote unquote, right? But get through, grab the crutches of God's word, sit in it. When you don't feel like you're even strong enough to read it, listen to it. Find an app. Let those words just wash over you. Spend some time in the Psalms and just listen to the comfort of the Psalms. I guarantee you, the Lord that is near, the Lord that it just walks with us through this road, those are the things that will really bring you through. And my prayer is that 
if you're someone that whether you've been grieving someone for two days or 10 years, that you're going to find that path forward by further leaning on, on his word, knowing that it's okay, that we're not okay, knowing that he felt all the things that we felt. Jesus experienced all the things that we have experienced. He wept when Lazarus died. I know people argue about, well, why was he weeping? Was he weeping for the Jewish people? I don't know, but I know that he cried. I know that it says Jesus wept. He felt sadness. It's okay. Nobody looked at Jesus and said, why aren't you pulling it together? It's okay. So it's okay to have your sad days. It's okay to cry. But just remember that he is with you in this. He's not leaving you on your own. And you're going to come, like I said, not over it, but you're going to come through in a way where you're going to know him in a better way. You're going to know that that sovereignty and really the sweetness of the Lord, I think in a way that you didn't when you had that precious person still with you. That's the joy. I hope some of that made sense. Like I said, that was a very unscripted, just what the Lord has laid on my heart, because I desire for people that go through grief and go through hard times. I have certainly, I think I've, I've experienced, you know, just a slice of what I know some people have gone through. But I'm blessed by the fact that I feel that the Lord has, has enabled me to go through this season, pressing in, clinging to him, and growing in his word in a way that I don't think I would have if my dad were still here. The Lord knew that my, when the day and the hour that he was to go and be with him in heaven, he knew that day. What will you do with the time after that day? Will you be mad? Will you be frustrated at the Lord? Or will you rest in the fact that he is sovereign, he is good, he loves you so much. He sees every tear that you cry and he just, he desires to walk with you. That's the hope and that's the joy. Don't get it confused with being happy all the time, but that's the real thing. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.